Hey everybody, it's Henry here, and I just wanted to say that this is our great live show that we just did in Portland, Oregon this previous weekend, and a big thank you to everybody who came out to the live show, and now folks can hear it, and an even bigger thank you to Bill Oakley for being our guest, and Kelly's Olympian in Portland, Oregon for hosting it all. One thing Bill didn't get a chance to mention on here is that you should definitely support his many awesome food reviews on Patreon. Check it out at Steamed Ham Society but also just launched this week is the newest vinyl figure in his sight gags line and you can pre-order that now go to sightgags.com that is s-i-g-h-t-g-a-g-s.com and you can check out the brand new figure he's got for sale there again a big thank you to bill oakley and all the folks out in portland who came to the show and just so you know again this podcast is only possible thanks to the support of people at patreon.com slash talking simpsons who make it possible for me and bob to go on the road for awesome live shows like this one now without further ado let's hear us talk about some of bill oakley's classic treehouse of horror episodes with the man himself i heartily endorse this event or product Ahoy hoy, Portland. And uh, to a greater extent, Kelly's Olympian. Thanks for coming out tonight to the Talking Simpsons Halloween Live Show 2023. We, we have not one, done one of these here in five years, so it's been a very long yeah. time. What happened in between that? I, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, and I'm, I, I'm a 50-foot eyesore, Henry Gilbert. Hello. I, I assume everyone here is familiar with what we do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about some Halloween episodes of The Simpsons, some Treehouse of Horror segments, and you're all familiar with what we do, but what we do is uh, we play clips of the show, and we, we comment on them, we explain references, we, we piggyback off of jokes of other writers and build a career off of that. <laughs> uh, it's worked out quite well, and to, to set the mood here, we're going to play uh, one of the scariest clips ever to be put on The Simpsons, just to get everyone in the Halloween mood, to let you know what you're in for. So, Henry? Hello, I'm Elon Musk. Dad! What the? Dad, no! Elon Musk is possibly the greatest living inventor! So, uh... <laughs> I, I thought we'd get the crowd on our side. I hope yeah. they're booing at Elon Musk. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, that's too scary, Bob. Yes. That's too it's, scary. It's good we cut the clip off there because that was right before he called Homer a pedophile. <laughs> uh, and uh, I guess uh, not on that note. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's bring out our special guest today. Who would, uh, who would never have Elon Musk on his TV show. Absolutely no. not. Uh, let's bring him out here. Bill Oakley. <laughs> We obviously know Bill as a, a Simpsons writer uh, and a Simpsons showrunner, also a Harvard graduate. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I went to a state school. We've, we've covered this five years ago. <laughs> no, but, well, and also, of course, the, the head of the Steamed Hams Society and also who got their Steamed Hams lager for tonight. Yes. By the way, yes, thank you for purchasing this beer. It's very hard to come by these days. This may be the last of it you will see, although we're working on a Steamed Hams winter ale to be coming out and, and probably, again, will only be available in the Pacific Northwest. So drink up. <laughs> 
Wow, but Bill, thank you so much. We've, uh, boy, a lot. Uh, how, how has the last five years been for you? Since uh, it's, I remember being in this very room five years ago, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was you know as they say the before times. It was a very different type of vibe. But I, I think we're we've recovered amply yeah, to, yeah. To, to to soldier on. We're all drinking more. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Bill, you've been on the this. You were on The Simpsons from one of your earliest ones was on the season four Treehouse of Horror. That was one of your earliest credits there. Yes, yes. You know, I actually have come to dislike all the non-scary credits. That that you know, having watched these, I'm like everybody should have been forced to do like objectionable Bill Oakley. I don't like that. Uh, everybody should have been forced to come up with scary ones at least for the first ten or so years. And you'll see, like in these other ones, there's so many. There's half the credits are these ones that kind of like are underplaying the joke. Um, and and you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. <laughs> That credit, like you guys came in pretty late, so that would have been like on the rewrite uh, of of the of Treehouse Three, the one with King Homer and. Uh, That's right. We yeah. were there for the rewrite, and this was um, again. You got to pick your own Halloween credit, and when Josh and I finally came uh, upon the late Bill Oakley and the estate of Josh Weinstein later, then we decided to use that one every year because it's so perfect. First of all, it rhymes: late and estate. Second of all, it's appropriate given the death theme of it, and then also it always got people from my high school to call up the show and ask if I died. <laughs> it truly was scary. The scariest Halloween nickname. <laughs> that Treehouse 3, it is full of so many changed lines. Like, So it seems like that was probably a pretty active rewrite on that one. Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't think that, the, as I recall, this, again, was probably one of our first weeks on the show. I don't think it was because it was bad. It was just that there was a lot of stuff that people had seen over and over and over for months. And Mike and Al at the time were of the opinion that every joke had to get a loud laugh every time or we needed to replace it, which was a very legitimate way to run things. And so that was, I, I think that was probably the principal cause of the rewrite, but you'd have to ask them. You guys didn't do as much of the uh, like recycling old animation thing uh, on your seasons, right? Like using a shot from an old episode. We did not do that. Once in a great while, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessary to the extent because... The, the thing about the shows, and, and we're going to get into this later, Mike and Al's episodes were always came back short because they were so, they, they really trimmed everything to the bone. Whereas Josh and I were so in love with our own material that we let everything drag on and on. Our episodes are always long, which is where 22 short films came from because we wanted to do little those little tags at the end of the episodes and we never had time. So we said, what if we did a whole episode filled with nothing but little tags? And that's where that show came from. Well, you know, you first were writers on Treehouse. Then when you got to run your own Treehouses, like, did you bring a new approach to it when it was your turn on the Treehouses? I wouldn't say there was a new approach. It was just that the, the Treehouse is the fun thing, the funnest thing to write of the year because you get to break all the rules. You know, Matt Groening has a lot of real specific rules about the show and the reality of the show, which is ex you can expand a little bit from time to time for certain jokes. But the whole, the fun of the of the Halloween show is that all the rules are out the window. Um, so everybody was always jockeying to write one of the segments. And it was, the rewrites were fun because you weren't like, generally you didn't have to worry about the emotional content of the episode or whatever. <laughs> so it, it, it was it was a good time. And yeah. Homer can kill people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More than normal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our, our first uh, segment looking at starts off with some real macerating, aggravating jokes. Or oh, things, yes. Things he normally complains about, types of jokes. But within the context of Halloween, it's mm. all fine. Yeah, yeah. But, I, well, yeah, here, why don't we show our first clip, and then we'll, we'll uh, ask our, uh, some questions about it. So uh, the two segments we're going to talk about tonight, first one is the Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. 
Okay, boy, catch the frisbee. Good catch, boy. Thanks, Bob. Air hot luck. What a your acquaintance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the strict rules of the animation because when I watched that the first time uh, in a while to prepare for this, I was like, wow, a wild take from Bart and a talking dog. Like, those are both like very cartoony moves that you can, you, you know, you don't do in a regular episode of the show. Yeah, well, that, that's the whole nature of that opening is that it's supposed to be, it's a combination of Warner Brothers and Tex Avery style cartoons from you know 40s and 50s and it's supposed to be clear to the viewer in a subtle way this we're not in the regular universe you know and, and it becomes more clear as the jokes go on but even from the very first shot it's like the backgrounds are all different they're all hand painted watercolors which is this, you know our backgrounds were never like that so the intent was to indicate to the viewer something weird is up right now and this one was written by steve tompkins which uh yes. you've, you've said in the past bill he's one of the more unsung writers of the show yes he he i mean steve was only there for about a year and a half and he was a friend of ours and he wrote a lot of really good stuff that some of it has become very meme worthy like a lot of the stuff in that millhouse divided episode um including my one of every Everyone's favorite things, I don't recall saying good luck, <laughs> was, was Steve, was definitely Steve. That was his whole script. And like, he was really, yeah, he contributed a lot. He didn't write a lot of famous episodes, but he did contribute a lot of stuff that everybody loves. Um, and this segment is among that. He also wrote the, uh, the steel mill, right? Or it was his concept, the yep. steel mill? Yes, it was. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was originally a whole different ending, too. It was there was much, there was a big content. There's some sort of incredibly complicated contest um, between Homer and I don't know. It was some. It, we, it was Steve's idea, and it was very much him that whole steel mill thing. I can't remember what it was, but he fixed it with this steel mill idea. <laughs> well, also that the episode is it's got three directors on a segment. You guys were still doing that on that season. The like I think Kirkland's the oh no sorry that one is uh, Bob Anderson on on the nightmare segment, and it's Kirkland on the uh, the second segment we're doing from the episode. All very talented yeah. guys. No, at, uh, well, at Tompkins was a cl classmate of yours too, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He was a friend of ours, and we—he was a friend of ours and a classmate of ours, and a guy we always wanted to have on the show because he was so talented at, at really just writing jokes. But you know, he could he could deliver. But so okay, where'd the Freddy uh, like? It was just you guys wanted to do a Freddy thing in general, or it well, it seemed like a natural. Okay, yes. First of all, just to state the obvious for anybody who doesn't, anybody who gets who's under thirty, this whole thing is a parody of. A Nightmare on Elm Street. It, not, the entire franchise, not just the first one. But, like, it just... I suspect it was... I don't even remember where the idea came from, but it's so natural. It's the whole... The whole thing was written for us in advance by the writers of Nightmare on Elm Street because the whole story is right there. The story of Freddy Krueger is that he was the janitor and the parents ganged up and set him on fire because he was doing creepy stuff. Then he haunts the t their kids in the dream. That's the whole story, and it was it fits so neatly into the Springfield universe that I suspect as soon as someone pitched it, we were like, yes. <laughs> How hard was it to write the uh, the puns? I appreciate so the pun hard. work you guys did in this. It's yes. so hard. For okay, let me tell you. you guys <laughs> they all had to be landscaping related, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, 
there, okay, even in a non-Halloween segment, the absolute most arduous things to write are Willie pun, Willie's remarks and Sideshow Bob-isms. And every time we had to do a script with those characters, it was like, oh, God. And people would be in the room and it'd be like, okay, we're going to have to order dinner because it's a groundskeeper Willie and he's going to say two lines and it's going to take two hours apiece. And that's that the uh, only other time we had that was with Rodney Dangerfield when we wanted to write those jokes that sounded like they came from Rodney Dangerfield. And you think those jokes are easy to write, but they're so damn hard. And it, it, yes, so this was, when I watched this, I'm like, those puns that he's saying really aren't that good, but they're as good as we could have possibly done. You put it that way. <laughs> I watched like an hour compilation of Freddie puns, and I was like, "You guys are you guys worked much harder than they did on those." Yeah, like, he really got lazy after movie two. <laughs> well, once he learned the, they could just say "bitch" at the end of things. Yeah. Like he's just like, you know, it, it, yeah. it really you're paying attention to "bitch," not his pun on the word "prime time." He really hits that "bitch" hard. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Okay, but yeah, so. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> uh, when I said that, it was in quotes. That word. Uh, well, uh, well, actually, this has some of my favorite. Our next clip has some of my favorite puns from the episode, uh, as well as like you didn't have as much blood in yours as compared to like Merkins are some of the bloodiest uh, ones. But but this is a pretty gruesome death in in the episode. This here. I will say more than anything I've worked on. People said this scared the shit out of me, especially when I was a kid. And like I think whether or not you as a kid had seen. Nightmare on Elm Street. This is pretty scary, and it's certainly very scary for a prime time show that kids were the primary audience of, at least in that day. I am the wondrous wizard of Latin. I am a dervish of declension and a conjurer of conjugation with a million hit points and maximum charisma. Ha ha! Moody day to die. Moody, he, she, or it dies. Moody's you die. <laughs> You've mastered a dead tongue, but can you handle a live one? <laughs> Wheel them out quietly. It's best to kill the I'm just getting out of here. Not into the kindergarten. <laughs> I think we really need to give it up for the late Rusie Taylor, who probably just came in from recording a Minnie Mouse album and oh, then God. did Martin dying. Her screaming, oh, like, well, the, like the gurgling, man, yeah, it's shocking still. Yeah, I mean, we always tried to get Rusie. Rusie did Martin Prince, but generally we also, people, when we couldn't get Rusie, Pamela Hayden did Martin Prince, but we were always big fans of getting Rusie back in because I think she gave the character a certain something that <laughs> otherwise you didn't have. I will tell you about this particular clip. Every time I see this, I wish, I don't like that the Latin word for you die is Maurice because I think that it sounds like he's calling Martin Maurice. Right, right. For the it longest like we, time, everyone, for, I thought it was him calling him Maurice until I noticed go. on the chalkboard it's written under all the other words. Yeah, M O R S. But everyone, it's just people listening at home. At least half the people in this audience are nodding up and down when I say that Maurice thing. So there, okay, it wasn't just me. <laughs> it was too. It was too smart for us. Uh, also, is that a D and D reference? The uh, uh, with maximum uh, maximum yeah. charisma. Th okay. Yeah, right. of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why, you know, the, there weren't many D&D references on TV back then. This is even before, like, Freaks and Geeks was on TV doing, like, their D&D episode. I mean, it, you just have to remember that people... <laughs> D&D wasn't even invented during the, the, you know, the youth of most of the people who wrote this show. I think that, like, uh, you know, I played D&D briefly in, like, 11th or 10th grade when I think it was first becoming popular so it wasn't it wasn't widely known to the writers of the, of the series at that time I don't think uh, as the mystery deepens in the show then this is one of the longest clips in the year but I just I couldn't clip around it any because this this next scene has some of the most like meme stuff including something that's become like I think the hottest meme in Simpsons right now I know what it's gonna yes. be yeah. <laughs> it all started on the 13th hour of the 13th day of the 13th month. We were there to discuss the misprinted calendars the school had purchased. <laughs> oh, lousy smart weather. <laughs> Do not touch Willie. Good advice. <laughs> Our next budget item, $12 for doorknob repair. Hey. <laughs> charge fire extinguishers that now, this is a free service of the fire department. Help! Please help me! Willie, please. Mr. Van Houten has the floor. Uh, I, for one, would like to see the cafeteria menus in advance so parents can adjust their dinner menus accordingly. Uh, I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day. <laughs> With your children's blood! All right, how are you gonna get them? Skeleton power? Strike. Will you gonna protect them? In their Yeah, spaghetti meals and skeleton power. Within the same. There's a lot to unpack in that clip. So much, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess let's start with the spaghetti meals. That's, that's I, wa- I want to work my way up to the spaghetti oh, okay. meal. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's start with the spaghetti the, with smart, lousy, smart weather and do not touch Willie. I never quite, and I still don't understand what he means by good advice, don't touch Willie. And, and even at the time, everyone was laughing in the room and I was like, okay, just put it in. People, it's, oh, do not touch Willie, good advice. We know that Willie is a pun for penis, <laughs> but we don't quite know what is meant by that or what Homer's thinking, I think. And, and, and it still bothers me to this day, but let's, we should move on. Otherwise, this whole thing will be about that. Okay, then let's also say that the members of this, spring, of this Springfield PTA are, they really murdered groundskeeper Willie. Unlike, I mean, in, in the movie, the parents were sort of justified in murdering yeah, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Here, by sheer force of their own stubbornness, and they, they murdered this poor Scotsman who was just trying to play the bagpipes in the basement. It's terrible. And, and, uh, and also, they vote down both the doorknob repair and the free, the free recharging of the fire. He says, this is a free service of the fire department. They all go, nay, and then homework. That's the brilliance of the director there, adding homework, going, nay, just a little bit later than everyone else. <laughs> they don't... Okay, so yes. I'm, I'm just repeating what we saw, but it makes me laugh. And then the, the two spaghetti meals. Yes, I think I think that I said that. I'm not sure because it's my nature to think that every hilarious thing was made up by me. <laughs> but that, but that um, I, but it was. We we're like, what's the blandest thing that somebody could be going on about in a PTA meeting while a man is burning to death in the corner? And 
and that I think that was it. And it's and it's taken about almost thirty years for people to recognize the, the brilliance of that line. Whoever made it up. <laughs> now it has become the hot new Simpsons meme. Yeah. I'm seeing it. Re- it's the new steamed hams of it being recontextualized. It, it, it is, and I love it. And I think that scene. Uh, there's a deleted scene or deleted tag on that scene that actually names Kirk Van Houten for the first time. Yes, I remember that. I remember Kirk. I remember when it was come up with. And again, I think it was by me, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kirk's a perfect name for him. You guys, you guys turned him into. He was already pretty funny before your seasons, but you made him into the, like the most pathetic guy in town. I'd say. Yeah, he. Well, he married his own sister, apparently. <laughs> right. Like that's where he started. His trouble started when he married his own sister, and they had a kid that looked just like him. Um, but yeah, no, he he became a well, as I said with Steve Tompkins' this episode in The Millhouse Divided, he became a, re- a real font of humor that we hadn't, re- hadn't previously realized. So, with Smarch, by the way, like, I've heard, I've heard people mention, like, when it's March 13th, they're like, oh, it's March 13th, but I always point out that it's like, no, it's the 13th month, meaning it would be January 13th, right? Because if the 12th month's December, then a misprinted calendar for Smarch, that'd be that it be then the next month after December. Well, we don't know where the fake month is. We know the fake month is named Smarch, but we don't know where it becomes mm. on the calendar. We know it comes in it's snowing. That's about as far as we can go with this, I think. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I still celebrate March 13th in, okay. on January 13th. That's when I observe it. Unfortunately, all the Simpsons calendars are accurately printed. They don't include Smarch. <laughs> they should. Yeah, that would make it official at least. No, and, uh, but yeah, I guess the, also the Dan's Castellano is screaming like he, man, I, I'm surprised at some point he didn't go like, you guys have enough screams, don't you? Like, I, I think we waited, you know, usually with that kind of stuff, you wait till the end of the day and we don't record you know, we record one or two screams and we wait till he is ready to go home and then that's what he does right before he you know he, he couldn't do that at the beginning of the day and continue to perform all this stuff <laughs> all day long <laughs> and that and those were also like not even like comedy homer pain screams those were like bloody Ag- agonizing yes. screams yeah, yeah. that's this it goes to making this whole thing scary i mean i can see that like you know as i watch this i'm like this was really terrifying especially to you know to kids uh who didn't weren't expecting it to be <laughs> quite so scary uh so then in our next clip uh it's uh, time for Bart to force a final showdown and this has so so many amazing like Bob Anderson and his team did so many great animations uh, on this uh, the transformations especially when they're all, I mean I'll, you'll see it in a sec but like the plaid transformations like it's yeah. not only that it just changes shape but it's also plaid so all the lines have to match up as well you missed when I'm done with you that's that one that sucks that sucks so much I like it Willie's gone for good now I can get back to my normal dreams me and Krusty winning the Super Bowl Bart there's two seconds left now listen up it's your basic Statue of Liberty play. With one twist, you throw it to me. Newt Rockney called it the forward pass. Now, the clock's still running, so it's important we start this play as quickly as possible. Ah! Oh, oh, boy. Don't dream about me no more, kid. <laughs> That's another great joke that 
they always do the Statue of Liberty play, and now they're finally going to do the most basic move. Forward pass. The forward right pass, now. as invented by Newt Rockney. That's such a good... But I, I like compost mortem. It's all Okay, right. good. Yeah, Thank God. Good. Okay. Yeah, so um, we take look, a poll? It, it was, I remember this, and I was like, we're, every gardening... We've done so many gardening puns, so many rake puns in this thing, and it's like compost mortem. Okay, put that in. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's show, okay. It's show okay. hands, maybe. Who likes compost mortem? All right, good. See, thank you, everybody. Hey. Most of the, many of the hands in the audience are raised for those listening at home. That was 95% of the audience. <laughs> uh, but yes, then, uh, as usual, Maggie, well, she's a killer, I guess, really, I should say. that She, she shoots people, and, but here she, she uses her deadly powers for good. a real trend in yakety sax humor in the mid to late 90s and I think this could be the first time I saw it on TV because I know Mr. Show would later do it in Upright Citizens Brigade and other shows but I think this could be the first. Hadn't it been on The Simpsons already two or three times? I mean this Hmm. is all from Benny Hill. People don't know Benny Hill these days but it was a British comedy show that aired a lot in the U.S. in like syndication at night and everybody it was really silly and they did a lot of things with yakety sax and I think um you know, we were enamored of it, as were many comedy writers in that era. So it's just another, yeah, it's another Benny Hill thing. Because you have people run off, and they would do the things, they play yakety sax with sped up footage of people running around. But this one, uh, Alf Clausen did his own yakety sax spin off. Right, with a, Sim- yeah. with a Simpsons uh, theme to it, yeah. Now, I also love seeing Willie after all those great transformations that then he's, he's now stuck in the real world and has to follow all the Simpsons rules of just <laughs> making what faces he can. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, Let's just say it's extremely arbitrary that Maggie was able to kill uh, <laughs> Groundskeeper Willie with that thing too, because we just make like that doesn't happen. Your bagpipe doesn't explode if it gets clogged <laughs> up. And like, but but again, it's like all the rules of the Freddy Krueger universe are that arbitrary too. Mm-hmm. Like whatever is going to kill him, and this thing is could could have easily not killed him a few minutes earlier, whatever. <laughs> so that's why it, it seems to work, and nobody questions it. But when you think about it for too long, you understand the problem. Also, you understand the problem at the very end. You understand the problem of doing jokes about shoes in the Simpsons universe because the shoes don't look right when they're not on the character's feet, and that's like he lost a shoe. And I think people understand that that's his shoe because you can see his his bare foot mm. but still it just doesn't look right and it never quite it never quite got there when when homer has his shoe off it does sometimes it looks just by itself like a cloven hoof really <laughs> yes, uh, yeah exactly <laughs> or or steam iron perhaps but uh but okay so that's that's uh, the first of the two but but in between i have something that bill i i uh, surprising you with here i don't think uh, you may not have seen this since uh in at least 20 years oh I my god that. let's see Satan, I cast thee out. The power of faith compels you. The Church of Springfield compels you. The Young People's Outreach Committee compels you. 
<laughs> I remember that because <clears throat> I was thinking about it. I thought it was attached to this Halloween episode, to six, right? Uh, but it was yeah. attached to seven. And I didn't know what had ever become of it because I know what happened was it was one of those things where everything was too long and we just cut it right out. And then we just have like there's a graphic that says Treehouse of Horror 7, right? Or whatever. But I remember writing that. And even when we were writing it, I was thinking, this is going to get cut. This is going to get cut. <laughs> and, and, it, and it did, but it lives on, I see. Yes, yeah. That's, uh, it's a hidden deleted scene on the season 14 DVD set. So you have to really dig for it. But so, yeah, I mean, now it couldn't be more timely. What with uh, every, everybody's loving Exorcist, the whatever, <laughs> the new Exorcist. Right, movie. right. So, yeah, no one yeah. can uh, see this at home, but I'm seeing all the T-shirts. <laughs> no, I also uh, I, it was it was quiet on the thing, but uh, Yardley does a really good job. She has a little like sorry at the over the yeah, credits. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah I, it's too bad it was never put in color though. I wanted to see what color green they would have used for that. Yeah, it, yeah. it could have been good. <laughs> but but yeah, so I get uh, so that was my question. Then it was just cut for time. Like it's uh, yes, yeah. I it mean. Was. The treehouses you always like. I, I feel like no matter what showrunner talks about it, they always say not enough time for for every joke in the treehouses. It's really hard to fit three complete stories into that tiny amount of time, and much less with a like in the early seasons of Treehouse they had a wraparound they had, well, they had Marge come out and say this is going to be scary so your kids shouldn't watch it and then they had a wraparound with like it's a Halloween party or everyone's in the in the treehouse or whatnot and then by season six we were like we got to get rid of all that stuff there's no room for anything it's hard enough and then the problem and you'll see I think as we watch this next one the stupid opening credits go through two-thirds of the first segment you know and it's like <laughs> it also makes you think like maybe we shouldn't have had credits in this episode but you'll see um, so yeah the, the time was always a huge issue with this thing and they would never give us more than extra 30 seconds at most well I guess yeah that takes us to our next one yes we're moving on to uh, Attack of the 50 Foot Ice Soars and uh, yes directed by Mark Kirkland written by Simpsons legend John Swartzwelder which I'm sure Bill you answer many questions about his life yes every day of your life and we know he comes from an advertising background yes in fact you'll see that uh, in this very the name of the advertising agency is the one he worked at okay well hey that kills a question I had later I'm sorry no I I thought that was like oh you guys must have stayed up till two in the morning doing that but no it's his real it's no. just where he was <laughs> yeah no well yeah so i yeah i was curious and and Schwarzwalder, again he's a real guy some people still seem to think he's not a re- i mean oh he he's was, got a new book out yeah he's yeah. on twitter promote and that's actually his twitter account promoting yeah. his new book yeah it's what the mountain of dead detectives something like that, that. yeah yeah I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, it's. I, I also wondered how much, or if at all, George Meyer was involved in this. Because I, well, I recently just read a George Meyer interview where he said, I'm going to say this quote exactly. He says, if I could eliminate either advertising or nuclear weapons, I would choose advertising. <laughs> I'm sure he was involved extensively in this. I mean, it mm. comes the sort of anything that you get in The Simpsons that's kind of like a anti-consumer type thing or anti-advertising thing probably came from George to at least some extent, and he was definitely in the room for the entirety of this. Oh, Bill, no. I meant to ask this: your background in advertising is with uh, cartoon spokesperson Joe Camel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. This is uh, wait, this is not from this episode. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to have a visual wait, representation wait of Yeah, uh, the first um this is actually something that we discuss at the Mission Hill shows, which is why you know this. Yes. Uh Josh and I 
first job in any kind of writing thing was working for Young and Rubicam advertising agency in New York, writing stuff for Joe Camel. <laughs> Back when she, now, people who don't know Joe Camel, let me explain to you. It was the most insidious advertising campaign of the 20th century, designed pretty much to make children smoke. And it, I think it worked pretty well, apparently. But anyway, the, 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 it was a funny, it was a camel, and he had smooth character was his, was his moniker. He was used in hundreds of different advertisements. And Josh and I, for the time that we worked there, were the writers and editors of Smooth Magazine. <laughs> it's a magazine that was all about Joe Camel and his life and his family and, and his, his ancestors and stuff. And um, it was inserted into like People Magazine. It would be like a, a thing in the middle of it, like an eight-page supplement. And furthermore, they made mat pa uh, books of matches that you would get at bodegas. And that was like the highlight of my life and still remains something that I cherish are these matchbooks with Joe Camel jokes on them that we wrote. Um, so yes, and, and then uh, obviously that went on to great infamy a few years later. We tried but, to find a copy of Smooth Magazine. We got other results when we searched <laughs> for it. Now that was so amazing to know that you guys built so much of the lore of what's uh, probably on the Joe Camel Wikipedia page. Well, certainly his ancestors, going all the way back to ancient <laughs> Egypt, were entirely our creation, yeah. But okay, sorry, yes. Uh, let's see our first clip for real here. <laughs> We're value wearing a neon sombrero, and there's not a single church or library to offend the eye. There it is! The chain that put the fat in fat southern sheriffs. I want a colossal donut, just like the one on the sign. Donuts! That's false advertising! Sorry, sir. No refunds. I paid for a colossal donut, and I'm gonna get a colossal donut. You don't scare us! Uh, that first clip there, I wanted to show him because that is a real thing now. Like, Lard Lad is all over the Universal in, in uh, I've Springfield, seen that. both yeah. in Orlando that. and Hollywood. Yes, and not only that, do they have Lard Lad, but you can buy an actual big pig donut that actually is somewhat colossal, I'd say. <laughs> It's, uh, yes. Yeah, I guess I guess we want to know, Bill. Uh, I, I assume you've been to Simpsons World in. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's of, pretty impressive. Uh, how many of your jokes have you seen? Your, Lots like, you of them. Just, I, well, I think to repeat a theme that always happens at these things. I think I also made up Lard Lad. <laughs> Not sure. And um, but but yes, there's lots of them, and you don't get. It's, uh, I, I think if they had developed Simpsons World, I don't know, in 2015, it might have been included. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that I mean, they developed it in when? 2012. Uh, 2007, 2008. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. You know, yeah. the ride opened in nine, but I think yeah. it was. I think the Attached Cities was like a couple of years later. But yeah, it's. I mean, would you pay or did you pay nine ninety nine for the big pink donuts when you were there? No, I didn't want to get all full and tired while I was trying to enjoy <laughs> the amusement amusement park. Um, I did. I think I had the the, the Cletus's chicken, whatever it was. It was pretty good. I, I've, from everybody I've heard, the food is pretty good there. And I love this. I love the big fiberglass lard lad and wigum and all that stuff. It's cool. That's nice. I, yeah, I wondered how what it's like to just walk around seeing all of your all of your jokes well you wonder why you're not getting any money from it mm. that's the thing that, that's that's the thing and it really is you know that's the nature of intellectual property we didn't make this up Matt Groening made up this universe obviously with the help of Sam Simon and, and Jim Brooks and, and they designed the characters but there are a lot of specific jokes that appear on the walls or the menus or whatever
whatever that we made up. But that's that's the nature of entertain of money of entertainment for hire. You know, those things are not your property anymore. Oh, so the first segment was an obvious parody. Uh, where did this idea come from? I can't remember at all. I know mm. that it was. You know, the title is based on the attack of the fifty foot woman, right? That's that was one of those posters that everybody had in their dorm room in the eighties. There was one of those. Like, there's a few posters that like people that were very popular in college campuses. One of them was attack of the fifty foot woman in the eighties. So I know the name was in everybody's head, but where the idea of giant advertising characters rampaging came from, I don't know. I know in it too. You have the you, you just have the Godzilla sound effect, which you used yeah, to know. Yeah, Kent Brockman. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, on, on the commentary, Silverman's like, hey, we, you guys just used it in the show. We we asked to use it in the Monsters Inc. and they told us no. And uh, but you guys just did. It. We had very liberal lawyers. I mean, that was the thing about the Simpsons is that lawyers almost let us get away with almost everything because they were they said it could be I said it was parody, you know, and it could fall under parody. So the Disney the lawyers. For Monsters Inc. being mm. Disney lawyers were hard asses, I'm sure. I wonder, man. I wonder now how hard the lawyers are on Simpsons these days. Mm. The, the good new, question. Good question. The new regime they, is as nice. They just buy the things that might sue them, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to point out that this aired in October of '95, I believe. Toy Story was November of '95. You had both uh, a revolutionary 3D segment and inanimate things coming to life mm. in one special. That's true. The the things come to life. This is when we get a bunch of uh, parodies together here. But uh, let's let's see in our next clip. Panic is gripping Springfield as giant advertising mascots rampage through the city. Perhaps it's part of some daring new ad campaign, but what new product could justify such carnage? A cleanser? A fat-free fudge cake that doesn't let you down in the flavor department like so many others? Let me go! I love that one. More good screaming there, too. That fudge cake line came right out of George Meyer's mouth. I remember the moment. Like, Put it right in. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of thing that he would specialize in, is that kind of satirical jab. But <clears throat> these other things, like, you know, the neon cowboy was famous for being the like the mascot of Las Vegas for about 50 years. At the Frontier Club, I think it was downtown. Uh, and then there was a Budweiser commercial that used it ah, right well, around this time. That's funny you mentioned that, Bill. Actually, <gasps> yes, I have some... I have some clips here of the things you guys were pulling from. Yes, luckily I remembered a beer commercial that aired when I was 12. <laughs> it worked yeah. on me. It worked. <laughs> yeah. The Pioneer Club. That's After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. Cold filtered Miller genuine draft. After midnight, we're going to take the cold one. <gasps> For those who've discovered its smooth draft taste, but that's not the only one you reference. is put on the menu. It has to get past the big guy. The little man with the there hammer was born in 1931. Since his inception, that distinctive little man has taken many forms and for years has been a famous representative of our company. Nothing pleases <laughs> like planters. He's dead now. <laughs> Manny Moab, yes. the three best friends your car ever had. How many of these have that's we well lost? That's well done. You got yeah. that's fantastic. Those yes, 
you're at, you've you found the sources for all of those, especially that one from Western Exterminator, which ne people never know what that is, but it, it was pretty prominent for a while. Which is the guy with the mallet going to smash that? I feel like exterminators <laughs> don't advertise their like smashing brats anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> They've been canceled, the, the, the Western Exterminator. Now, now they, well, yeah, the, at first I always thought of what, you know, people might see and think like, oh, it's the, you know, the Vegas cowboy. But you have to see that l real commercial to be like, no, the, the beer crushing the people is referencing the commercial yes, too. Yes, entirely. Yeah, and, and also, when you see all the original clips, you can see all the little ways they were made, you know, legally distinct. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like how the Zip Boys aren't exactly Manny Moe and Jack. Right, and no. Professor Peanut is not the same as Mr. Peanut, because he has a mortarboard, <laughs> not, rather than a top hat. <laughs> even, the, uh, even the Paul Bunyan and, and Babe the Blue Ox, which are already, I would think, public domain, but your version in the episode are wearing glasses. So, yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I yep. guess we had questions about the giant hat. Yeah, it's like a big tam shanter but I can't tell what it was. That one I could not find it from. I think that one was supposed to be like the blob. You know, ah. that was the nature of that one was that it was a different type. It, it wasn't a humanoid. Okay. Well, so in our next clip, though, this is when uh, it, you you guys have a pretty good fake out of what seems to be the end of the episode or the segment ending a little early. Hello? Yes? <laughs> oh, uh. If you're looking for that big donut of yours, um, Flanders has it. Just smash open his house. He came to life. Good for him. Help me, Lord! I told you, Flanders has it! Or Mo. Go kill Mo. <laughs> Just give him the donut. Once he has it, that will be the end of all this horror. Well... Okay, if it'll end horror. <laughs> Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? Sometimes. <laughs> <sighs> I, I guess I guess that is the trick with the Halloween show. You don't know when the act will end because when the act ends, the story's over. So that was a good fake out. <laughs> I love and Homer's finally looking for his excuse to kill Flanders and Moe there. <laughs> it, the thing about it is he that, that Lard Letterly treats Homer with a lot of respect. Like he rings the doorbell. He didn't smash the door open. <laughs> he rings the doorbell twice. And I, it, 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 as opposed to what he did to everyone else. Then also like the dog didn't I don't think I discussed this with you guys, but I just did a podcast about the Prohibition episode where the cat, there's a cat put in at the end in the catapult and it launched off over the horizon. Mm -hmm. This was the antecedent of that with the dog being kicked by a lard lad over the horizon, which, you know, it's not funny. Animal use is not funny, but for some reason in this context, it, it does make me laugh. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, the, but yes, because the dog is barking at him and the dog dog's not dead, but it's, it, but it's angry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I started cracking up again. I started cracking up again. This is, but I think maybe you're not going to show the clip that's going to make me break up like I did last time we were here. Uh, we'll find. Well, I guess I'll find we'll out see. in a minute. <laughs> that, uh, no. The dog doesn't. I don't want to laugh. I don't want to laugh with the, the poor dog. I don't no, I mean the sound is fine. Well, in the it, next scene, he was breathing comfortably, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. No. <laughs> no. Also, I mean the. Uh, I, I think it probably helps. That's not Santa's little helper. I mean, it's so small you can't tell. But right. it'd be worse if it was Santa's little helper. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. It's a. It's a non-specific dog that we, don't, <laughs> we nobody had any affection for. 
Also, I, I like at this point in the show, Marge knows like she's always wrong for comedy. Purposes. I love that. I use that. I have that thing. I have a, a freaky uh, gif of that thing that I use on Twitter, or I used to use a lot more on Twitter to right wing Republicans <laughs> and just saying, "Don't you get tired of being wrong all the time?" Um, I stopped doing that after a while, but it was really fun. I, I mean, Marge is like sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. You know, I I always wondered why. I, it feels like too they missed uh, or something. I cut like the the Simpsons house looked kind of smashed up in the shot when he has the uh, the donut over his head, but I couldn't tell that there. Maybe. But all right. So in our next clip here, this is when Lisa does some investigating, and this again, this guy, uh, this ad agency guy, feels like another like classic Bill and Josh kind of weird old man from like the '60s kind of. I guy. think it's this is a Schwarzwalder thing. I mean, uh, yes. We we he he wrote it and we birthed it by making sure the animators drew it and that Harry voiced it appropriately. But uh, I mean, it was his his idea. Agency created all those giant characters. You must know how to stop them. Well, sir, advertising is a funny thing. If people stop paying attention to it, pretty soon it goes away. Like that old woman who couldn't find the beef. Exactly. If you stop paying attention to the monsters, they'll lose their powers. But people can't help looking at them. They're wrecking the town. You know, maybe a jingle would help. Don't watch the mon... Don't watch the... Monsters! <laughs> well, it'll sound a lot better coming out of Paul Anka. <laughs> Right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But yeah, it's uh, I love. I mean that he he feels like he's one like the Sherman Brothers, like just uh, with his piano in his office, just pitching a tune. It's very much of the you know old school sixty. Yeah, I mean bewitched, uh, uh, t- yeah, Larry Tate advertising agency, uh, McMahon and Tate. But like that came that's right from Schwarzwalder. And I'm glad in a way that you didn't show the clip that would have made me totally lose it, which is the one where Wiggum shoots the uh, the, uh, the captain yes, of the high yeah. school basketball <laughs> <Yes>. team. <laughs> Uh, it's. Uh, I, I just figured maybe people didn't want to see a cop shoot a, a teenager tonight. I, that was why it's like, ah, you know, maybe. I mean, I love that. That was scene, a really wise decision because yeah, last yeah. time we did this five years ago, I totally lost it at Wiggum uh, saying, whoa, whoa, slow down, egghead, after Frank drew a square. And that, this is that. That's the clip that always makes me lose it. And I think you're right that this is not the time or the place for it. No. No, no, but I mean, the way, the way he says, like, he, he was turning into a monster. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Uh, but I uh, before I play oh wait so Paul I, let me tell you oh, about yes. Paul I, okay. oh yes yeah so this is one of the things about the show being there you go oh you knew it already <laughs> well I figure yeah so I'd heard that it was because of this line that it was because of that line Rex so, Harrison and Paul yeah. Anka rolled into one we, okay so just a little bit of background here we at the Simpsons because the Simpsons audience when it was broadcast back in those days was almost all people under 18 and like you know 0.01 people over 30 we never got any free stuff mailed to us and so but we had the friends at Seinfeld every time Seinfeld would mention you know Junior Mints or whatever Nike shoes they'd get a crate of that stuff for free and all these all these they'd get invited places and flown places and fuck that shit we never got any we never got any of that we, ne- we got one time we got mailed the box of stridex pads after that episode after the, the ep- season four episode thing that said i'm in pizza face paradise remember that okay yes. one time nothing ever than the ever 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 from anyone because no adults were watching the show so 
after this, and this was an episode in that, this was in the sextonic one. You see, the joke was that Marge, you know, Marge's cultural references are all from like 1962, which is like our parents, you know, Rex Harris and Paul Anka. Paul Anka very graciously wrote us a really nice note on his really fancy stationery. And it was like, thank you. You know, he, he was flattered to have been mentioned in this context. And we were like, he seems like a good guy. Let's have him sing that song. So that's exactly how he got on this thing. And then also, we never got to have Marty Ingalls on, but if you may recall in the episode where Krusty fakes his own death. Krusty t- talks about Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls' New Year's Eve party and missing that. <laughs> Marty Ingalls sent us a box of, of cocktail liqueurs and we were so thrilled. Um, that nice. was pre- Those were the only two things we ever got. A letter from Paul Anka and a box of cocktails from Marty Ingalls. That's why we remember them. <laughs> I, w- I would figure this episode is why, like anybody under forty knows Paul Anka. Like well, they don't know. Like he did a great job. I say he was really pl- he was a very pleasant guy. He was extremely professional, very funny, very, obviously very talented, and he could you know he didn't hang around very long. Like he was no John Waters who hung around all day. Paul, <laughs> Paul Anka got into his line and left, but he was very nice. But yes, uh, here free- feel free to sing along, everybody, with a with a <laughs> tune for our times. To stop those monsters, one, two, three. Here's a fresh new way that's trouble-free. It's got Paul Anka's guarantee. Guarantee void in Tennessee. Just don't look. Oh God, I love that song. That's such a great song. I mean, and I've I've seen a reference quite a lot in our social media age right now. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that tune is great. Like the and also just it's a great. I love the drawing, especially his his wink and point is perfect. Paul Anka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There too. <laughs> they're smashing things more when they're not being paid attention yes. to. That's so good. And well, I'm like I mean, for the animators too, they did such a good job. Like scale is not easy to do. Like. Giant oh, yeah. characters, they yeah, they did such a good job in that. Same with that, uh, I mean, that Willy uh, as the giant bagpipe spider Willy coming out of the ground, like that too was just amazing. It's like, extremely creepy. Yeah. And such a good like long shot too. But but yes, uh, also in the episode, uh, the, one of our second to last clips here is uh, the, the only deleted scene that's on the DVD of it. And maybe he could give us some background on that. Something. Remember the story where newlyweds on our way to Earth capital. Shazbut. We've come at a good time, Kodos. Society is in chaos. We could hardly ask for better conditions to mount our invasion. <laughs> Gone, Sonic King. You know, the ticket was $20, but you're saving on DVDs. Yeah. Really, in the end. We saved you about three DVD prices, I think. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I know that the thing is, the only reason Kang and Kodos are in there, and it's still kind of a weird appearance by them, is because it was mandatory that they appear in every Halloween episode for one reason or another. So we stuffed them in there, and then I can only assume we animated this and then said, okay, one appearance by them is enough. Because it's like, <laughs> it's distract. Two, one is like a joke. Two is like, is this a plot point? It's confusing. <laughs> so that's... I'm, I'm I'm sure what happened there, and I I don't remember that in, in the least. <laughs> wow! And see, yeah, you, if you in the regular episode as aired, 
right before the Paul Bunyan walks into the screen, you can see the spaceship come into the shot, oh, yeah. even. Like, it's there, but... Uh, well, okay, because that even looked like temp animation there of the or the, the freeze shot of, of Kang and Kodo, so I was not sure. So, okay, well... All right, but uh, in, uh, we just have one more clip here uh, that uh, I think, uh, d- well, we updated it a little. <laughs> Even as I speak, the scourge of advertising could be heading toward your town. Lock your doors, bar your windows, because the next advertisement you see could destroy your house and eat your family. Disney Plus for kids now. <laughs> <laughs> for Disney stockholders. So let's all celebrate Disney Plus as it reaches year number two. As long as... Yes. How'd that get in there? How'd that get in there? Uh, my wife's in the audience. I'm sorry I forgot her plusiversary. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean that... Uh, well, you know, now though, Bill, the, the intention of that original joke with the, you know, it cuts... Then it cuts to the commercial. Uh, now it can be, you know, now that there's an ad version, uh, a version of Disney Plus with ads, that joke can work again yeah. with an ad played after it. Thank God. Yeah. Unlike the joke about Cromulent and Embiggened, which are both in the dictionary now, completely ruining that joke for, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> for future generations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't even think. Yeah, man. Dan Green's got to be kind of pissed. That's not, uh, the word doesn't work anymore. Now that, well, also, now that word is a copywritten word by Disney that they use for their uh, Miss Marvel character too like she says in Big and all the time now I don't know if you know it's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now yeah I'm, so, yeah, yes. I'm sort of stunned to hear that now we invited Bill on stage to upset him tonight yes. sorry yes yeah. The, uh, well it started as just a fun reference uh, this is a little comic book corner here uh, and for the Miss Marvel character in the, her original appearance the writer uh, is a Simpsons fan, and so when she like grows big, she says in Biggin, but you know, it started just a fun little reference, but yeah. now she just does it in the Marvel. It's now it's now on toys and everything. Wow. It's like her move in video games is called in Biggin. So yep. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, it's been a fun night of clips. Uh, let's give it up for Bill Oakley and Bill. Yes. Thank you, Bill. It's not on our uh, screen here, but you've got a Patreon, you've got your own society. Oh yeah, people. Okay, so some of you may know the reason that I'm, depi- I'm not the reason that I'm often depicted in this sh- chef's jacket, which is the only way I'm allowed I de- allow anyone to depict me these days, is because that's my f- I food. I'm a big food fan. I'm a food influencer by some standards, and I have this club called the Steamed Ham Society. You obviously already know what that is. The beer has the same logo. They're kind of somewhat affiliated. Steamed Ham Society is for people who like to talk about food all the time and let people know about this amazing chicken sandwich they found or this recipe they tried or this uh, this terrible terrible new uh, flavor of Chex Mix that you might have heard about. Anyway, that's the kind of thing that we talk about. It's go to steamhamsociety.com if you're interested. Join up. We have a Discord. We have a newsletter. We have live streams. These guys were, were on our Simpsons live stream last month. And we have merchandise and all sorts of stuff. It's a fun club if you're interested in talking about food 24 hours a day, which I like to do. It was it was so fun being on your on your live stream. We really appreciated that. You had, you had some tough questions for us. <laughs> I know. You yeah. guys dodged them very artfully. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, every everybody works so hard on. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, nobody expects you can't. You guys, obviously, I can't. I tried to corner you guys into criticizing the show, but but you wouldn't do it, and I that God bless you because this is your livelihood. Have <laughs> yeah. to be uh, uh, slightly diplomatic. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, we we played that Elon Musk clip at the start because we loved that episode, and it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> 
and everybody who worked on it was so great. They were they were so smart to get him on the show. It, it doesn't reflect poorly on the show. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not a stain. Hey, you're doing this who yourself now. I don't. Yeah. It's not my fault that you no, guys no. Are, are, are are shooting yourselves in the foot. Oh, no, no. But you cut that out. We should probably stop. <laughs> yes, yeah, no. But again, thank thank you yes. so much, Bill. My Thanks pleasure. for coming, everybody. We'll be yes. signing posters in the back. Thank yes. you. This great art. Yes, that wonderful art. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Infotainment.